Okay. Um, we'll pray certainly for the Lord's help as we begin here. Um, our text is going to be uh, this evening, Psalm 119, uh, verses 33 through 40. Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40. We've been in a series on Psalm 119. Uh, we come today, and it, it's broken up into eight verse segments. Uh, we come today to the fifth of those segments, verses 33 through 40. Psalm 118, excuse me, Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40. Let's now hear God's word. Uh, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, uh, give me life. This ends this passage in God's word. Now let's uh, seek his face once again in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, our God in heaven, we do pray that you would instruct us uh, this evening out of your holy word. Uh, your Lord, your word is life to us. It is more important to us uh, than even our daily bread. It is uh, that which we need. We feast upon your commandments, O Lord. And we ask, O God in heaven, that this evening that you would be our teacher and our help. For we do seek your face and pray these things in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Amen. Well, you should be in school. Well, by that, I mean not necessarily that you should be in elementary school or in middle school or in high school or even in college or graduate school or even that you should be in a cosmetology school or in a truck driving school school or in golf course superintendent school or uh, any other such thing, although many of you might be in one of those. Uh, um, it's certainly valuable, the things that you would learn in such a school. Uh, but as a Christian, all of us should be in school. That is, that we should be in God's school. If you are a Christian, uh, the Lord is to be your teacher. He is to be uh, your instructor. And your instructor, not just for a time only, but throughout the course of your Christian life. You see, as a Christian, uh, we aren't simply to live on yesterday's grace. Now, we give thanks for yesterday's grace, that grace that first regenerated our soul that was dead in sin and transgression, the grace by which we were justified in Jesus uh, Christ, uh, the grace uh, by which 
uh, uh, the Holy Spirit came in, in, in enlightenment and brought light to His Holy Scriptures for the first time. The grace that carried us through a particularly uh, difficult trial in our lives. We are certainly thankful for yesterday's grace. But we don't live merely off of yesterday's grace. Our God is a God who gives continual, daily grace to His people. And we are to cry out to Him uh, for that daily grace. And that's really where this psalm comes in uh, today. This psalm, in Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40, contained for us really a series of uh, petitions. You'll know that each section of Psalm 119 uh, begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Today we come to the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Hey. And if you attach that letter to the beginning of a Hebrew verb, it puts it in uh, what we might call the hiffel form or the causative uh, form. Uh, and so, instead of merely uh, saying uh, that we might learn, in the hiffel it's cause me to learn or cause me to understand. Or, uh, cause me to walk in your uh, commandments. And so this, uh, this passage contains a, a lot of uh, the, the Hebrew words are mainly in that, in that form. And so if we kind of change the language a little bit, it's really a series of petitions that are given. We might more naturally say, as it says in verse 33 there, teach me, O Lord, or cause me to learn. Give me understanding. Lead me in the path of your uh, commandments. And it's just one series of requests after another in which the psalmist expresses his moment-by-moment, day-by-day dependence upon God. And so in that sense, this psalm is a, uh, is a pattern for the prayer life of the believer. In this psalm, we learn what it means to rely upon God to, as it were, grow up in the school of God, to have God be our continual instructor uh, day uh, by day. Well, what does it mean uh, to have God teach us uh, continually uh, like this? And that's really what verse 33 is saying, isn't it? In, in one sense, verse 33 is the, is the theme verse of this entire section. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Lord, I need you to be my teacher. And I will keep it to the end. Lord, you call me to persevere in the faith, to endure. As it says in Revelation 2 and 3, to conquer, the one who conquers, who endures to the end. And Lord, I can't do this apart from your help. Lord, you be my teacher. We need God to teach us moment by moment, day by day, in the course of the Christian life. So what does it mean uh, to be taught by God? So if verse 33 is kind of the theme verse, all of the verses that follow kind of show us a different way in which the psalmist prays that he might be taught by God. And he really prays for seven different things. Each of those verses are one of our points. And these seven points, or these seven verses, are going to be uh, the seven points in today's sermon. Uh, first of all, you're going to see 
in verse 34, uh, that he prays uh, uh, for understanding. And that's with reference to his mind. Prays that the Lord would give him understanding. Secondly, he prays to walk in God's commandments. To walk in God's commandments. Or that has to do with his actions or his deeds. Uh, thirdly, he prays that his uh, or uh, that the Lord would incline his heart. That the Lord would incline his heart. That has to do with his affections. Uh, fourthly, he prays that the Lord would turn his eyes. Turn his eyes. And that has to do with his desires. A fifth, he prays that the Lord would confirm his promises. And that has to do with the action of faith, living by faith. A sixth, he prays that the Lord would turn away his reproach. And that has to do with deliverance. And then seventh and finally, he prays that the Lord would give him life. That the Lord would give him life. And that has to do with uh, renewal. So in those seven ways, he desires that the Lord would be his teacher. Well, first of those seven ways, we find in verse 34, he prays that the Lord would give him understanding. That the Lord would shape and inform his mind. We need the Lord uh, to give us uh, understanding. None of us, by nature know the things that we ought to know. In fact, we read that the mind of sinful man is at enmity with God. That there's, as it were, a veil over our minds. That we cannot understand spiritual truth apart from His sovereign activity. He has to remove that veil. He has to teach our minds. And don't we all know that by experience? Even if you've been a Christian for a long time, there is still so much more that you have to understand about the Lord and about His ways. I mean, which of you understand uh, the richness of the Bible's theology and all of, its, all of its connections? Which of you understand all of the various stories of the Bible and how to apply them to your lives? Which of you can understand the the beauty of God's law, and especially with wisdom, are able to apply that law uh, into all the particularities of your life as a parent or as a spouse or with other relationships that you have or in the workplace or in the community. Don't we need the Lord's wisdom day by day? Do you see, in so many ways, we lack the understanding uh, that we need. And that's why we need to cry out to God, Lord, you are the one to give me understanding. Lord, you give me light that I might properly uh, see. And that's what he prays, that he might be given understanding uh, so that he would keep God's law, and not just keep God's law, but then would go on and observe that law uh, with uh, his whole heart. Thanks, Mike. Yes. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, thank you. Let me just see. Thank you. You're good. Right here. There we go. In the Lord's mercy, here it is. Very good. 
And so indeed, uh, that is our constant prayer. It's just not the only that we, might, uh, that we might know God's law, but that we would know it in order to keep it uh, and then to observe it, not with a mere outward obedience, uh, but with our whole hearts. Uh, there's a story of, uh, of a man named George uh, Gillespie who was one of the commissioners uh, to, the, uh, to the Westminster Assembly. And uh, at that Westminster Assembly, there was uh, another man, another scholar, who stood up and spoke with great skill and persuasiveness for a particular position that would have uh, mired the church in political de- debates for, for many years. And as that one scholar spoke, uh, George Gillespie uh, prepared a rebuttal in the same room. And as the one man was standing and speaking, George Gillespie was writing furiously on a tablet. And the assembly was watching Gillespie. So he was organizing a response while the one scholar delivered one telling argument after another. What? When that scholar sat down, Gillespie then arose. And his words were filled with such power and scriptural persuasion uh, uh, that it ended up convincing the assembly of the position that he argued for. And in fact, his message so impressed uh, everyone that even that opposing scholar conceded that a lifetime of study had just been undone by the younger man's uh, presentation. Uh, well, when the matter was decided, the friends of Gillespie then snatched from his desk the tablet upon which he had scribbled all of those things, thinking that they had the notes of the argument that he just uh, presented. And they expected to find a brilliant summary of the words that were so masterfully delivered. And instead, what they found on that tablet was just one phrase written over and over again. In the Latin, it was dalusum domine, give light, O Lord. And that's what Gillespie had prayed, and indeed that it ought to be the prayer of every uh, Christian Lord, I need you to give light. You give understanding. That's the reason that we pray every time before the word of God is preached. I simply ask you, do you pray the same thing in your own life continually? It's about this spiritual understanding, the writer Charles Bridges says, that we must ask that we may receive. But after we have received, we must ask again. You pray to the Lord, Lord, give me light. Lord, give me understanding so that I would keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Well, the first thing that he prays is that the Lord would give to him understanding. The second thing that he prays and that we ought to pray is that the Lord would direct our paths. That is, to lead us in our actions. And we see that in verse uh, 35. There in verse 34, he had said that he would be given understanding so that he might keep and observe the Lord's law with his whole heart. But now he explicitly petitions God for the ability to put these words into action. He says, Lord, I need you to lead me in the path of your commandments. Lord, enable me to walk on the path that I ought to go. There's a path as a Christian on which we are to walk. 
yet, as you and I know so easily, uh, or so, so often, how easily it is to be pulled aside. Uh, I can remember as a, uh, as a child, we had a dog. We don't have one now that I'm an adult, but we had a dog when I was a child, Checkers. Uh, it was my daily job to take Checkers on a walk. I'd hook him up to the leash. We'd go out on uh, the walk uh, down the sidewalk. But it seemed we could never take more than a few steps, and Checkers was trying to pull me one direction or another. He wanted to sniff something in uh, the one uh, direction, or perhaps uh, chase a squirrel in the other direction, or stop for a while and go to the bathroom. When we'd come up to an intersection, I'd want to take a left, but Checkers would want to take the right. Okay? If he encountered a dog that was smaller than him, he would man up immediately, run to the dog, and show him who's boss. If he encountered a dog that was bigger than him, he would run exactly the opposite direction. <laughs> Okay, it felt like I could never take more than a few steps without checkers pulling on the leash one way or the other. And I can remember thinking, explicit, uh, as a child, thinking how much more enjoyable this would be if he would just walk alongside of me. But you and I are often like uh, checkers, aren't we? There's a path, clearly, that we are to walk as a Christian. There's a way that he calls us to go, but we, we barely take a step or two and we're going off in some path on our own sinful way. That happens in the course of our daily life. Maybe our day begins pretty well. We, we read the scriptures as we ought to read them. And then we uh, forgive somebody who had offended us. And we've begun on the path that we ought to, but so quickly we're turned off that path. And I begin to complain about God's providence. Or I chase down some juicy bit of gossip on the internet. And I've been pulled off course. I need to be put back on the course once again on the path that I'm supposed to walk. Well, that's the idea here. The psalmist prays, Lord, lead me today. Lead me in the path of your commandments. Help me to walk on that straight and narrow path. Enable me to do this so that I would as he says in verse uh, 35, delight in these uh, commandments. Now as we pray this, uh, what's the best way uh, perhaps to pray this? And it is perhaps to say, Lord, I desire that you would make me more like uh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Jesus' life is the mirror image of God's commandments. You remember what, Jesus, or what is said concerning Jesus, Psalm 40 and verse 8. It's quoted in Hebrews 10 and verse 7, where Jesus says, I delight to do your will, O my God. In, him, in Christ's life, we see the commands of God lived out. He walked along the path of the will of God. And is that not your desire too? That you would step along the path that your Savior first trod. That you would walk in the way of His commandments. Is that your daily prayer? Lord, not only might I understand your truth, but Lord, enable me to walk along the path that I ought to walk on this day. Now we move to a third way that the Lord is to be His teacher. and That is that He desires that the Lord would incline His heart. Incline his heart or deal with his affections. Okay, in verse 35, we saw that he, he wanted the Lord to lead him in the path of his commandments because he delighted in them. 
But now he prays that he would delight in those commandments, that is, be drawn to them even more. Lord, incline my heart. That is, lead my heart. Cause my heart, Lord, to go after your testimonies and not to selfish gain. It was actually St. Augustine uh, who taught... Uh, that we are not fundamentally shaped by what we believe or think or even do, but that we are shaped by what we love. And that sin is chiefly a problem of disordered love. And our problem is, is that we love less valuable things more than we ought to, and we love more valuable things less than we ought to. And above all, We love ourselves more than we love others and more than we should love God. And that's our problem. And so so why do you make a business decision, for example, that exploits somebody else? It is because you love your own prosperity more than you love your neighbor's prosperity. Or children, why do you make fun of a classmate? Well, it's because you love your own popularity more than your classmate's dignity. And ultimately, the problem that we have is that we love ourselves more than we love God. And so that's why the psalmist prays in this way in verse 36. Lord, incline my heart, shape my love to your testimonies and not for selfish gain. He says, Lord... I don't want a heart that is focused on self, what I gain for myself, but rather one that's focused on God and to his testimonies. You see, these two things, a love of self and selfish gain and a love of God, really are a a kind of zero-sum game. You can't love both. That's what Jesus said. No man can serve two masters. You cannot love both God and mammon. It's one or the other. And so, dear friends, if we would desire to love God more than we, as we ought, it is that we would love selfish gain less. Well, how can we do this? How can we love God and love His commandments more than anything else? Well, it takes a work of sovereign grace in our hearts. The pastor William Plummer puts it this way. He says, Divine grace and omnipotent power are necessary to bend the will, bow down the heart, and incline the affections to God. And that's why the psalmist prays, Lord, you do this. Incline my heart to your commandments, not to selfish gain. Is that the prayer of your heart daily? That I would love you, Lord, your commands more than I love my own possessions and what I might get for myself. And you say, can the Lord do this in our lives? And the answer is, yes, he can. He did it in Matthew, that tax collector. He did it in Zacchaeus. He can do it in you as well. That you would love him more than the things that you gain. So that's the third way in which he wants the Lord to be as a teacher, to incline his heart. The fourth way is this, to turn his eyes. To turn his eyes. 
verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. This has to do with his desires. Uh, That phrase, worthless things, is really the, the phrase vanity. It reminds us of Ecclesiastes, doesn't it? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. As as, uh, the preacher looked around at the world, uh, a world without God, he says, apart from him, it's all vain, it's meaningless, it's empty, it lacks substance. And so it is, that is what the world is without God. It's a deception, it's a delusion that there's anything substantial apart from uh, God. And yet, isn't it the case that we so easily put greater value in those empty, worthless things uh, than we do in the living God uh, himself. Our eyes are so easily turned aside. That was the case with Achan. Do you remember the story of of Achan from the book of uh, Joshua? Well, that greedy man, it says, if you read the account, first of all, that Achan saw, and it was only after he saw that he coveted and that he took, and that he then hid his theft. So you and I need to beware what we set our eyes upon, where our desires uh, really are. There's a story from uh, John Bunyan's uh, famous book, Pilgrim's Progress. And uh, Christian and Faithful, they were walking through, uh, uh, I believe it was them, who were walking through Vanity Fair, uh, and, and what we're told is that there in uh, Vanity Fair that uh, the pilgrims found that suddenly their dress was different from the townspeople in Vanity Fair. And that they spoke a language, the language of Canaan, that was not understood in Vanity Fair. They were viewed plainly as outlandish men, as foreigners. They were put down as fools or as bedlams. But nonetheless, when they made their way through that city, seeing the wares, the goods that were sold on every table, we are told that what they did was they put their fingers in their ears and they cried out, in the words of Psalm 119.37, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. There's a real sense in which we need to do that very thing in the world in which we live. We look this way and that way. The temptations of this this world are great. The promises of illicit sexual pleasure. uh, The promises of materialism. This will make you happy. Live out the American dream. The promises of consumerism. uh, The promises of, of a kind of hedonistic pleasure. The promises that are held out everywhere that we look. And dear friends, we need to learn to go through our lives, Lord, uh, Uh, stop up my ears, Lord, close my eyes to these things, that I would have an eye only for you and for your word above all else. Is that the desire of your heart? We need to beware what our eyes see. We need to beware what our mind is set upon. That's the the desire of this uh, psalmist. He says, Lord, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things, from setting my heart, setting my desires on things that are worthless. Give me life in your ways. Well, the fifth way in which he wants the Lord to be his teacher 
is to be his teacher by confirming his promises. By confirming his promises. Here, speaking about the need of faith. Verse uh, 38, confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. The word confirm there is a word which simply means to make good or to perform. So he's wanting the Lord to fulfill his promises. And not just for his people out there, but for for his servant, for him. Lord, let me see your promises uh, fulfilled. That's what he desires. Do you know what a blessed thing it is when we can grasp by faith the promises of God? He says, Lord, make your promises to be real to me. What are these promises? Well, the Bible's full of promises for the Christian. The promise of the forgiveness of sins. The promise of true and lasting joy. The promise of blessedness that comes to the one who walks in the Lord's ways. The promise of peace, everlasting peace, to the one who casts his anxieties upon the Lord. The promise of life, of abundant life, of eternal life, to the one who trusts in Jesus Christ. Are these promises real to you? Are these the things that you feast upon, that you live on day by day? Dear friends, it's laying hold of these promises. That's what strengthens our faith. And when our faith is strengthened, then we are enabled to fear God. Oh, have you laid hold of the promises? Might that be your prayer to the Lord? Lord, confirm to your servant, confirm to me your promise. Make it real to me. Help me to grasp it by faith so that I would fear your name. He wants the Lord to be his teacher by confirming his promises. Six, he wants the Lord to turn away his reproach, to provide deliverance. That's verse 39. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Well, what is the reproach that he's talking about here? And I I don't think it's so much... um, a bad reputation in the eyes of others that he fears, but the world is often going to reproach the faithful Christian. But the greatest reproach, and what's David's focus and David's dread, I believe, is really the reproach of his sin. It's the reproach of an inconsistent profession of faith, the approach of bringing dishonor upon the name of Jesus Christ. It's that reproach that he fears. And it's that reproach that you and I ought to fear as well. Lord, might it be that I'm not one who dishonors the name of my blessed Savior. Lord, take that reproach away from me. Your rules, they're good, Lord. I want to be one who follows those. I want to honor you. Oh Lord. Well, David indeed was one who had brought reproach upon the name of Christ, did he not? Um, many instances in his life, none more than his act of adultery with Bathsheba, his murder of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. And that 
a reproach of that sin was one that stayed with him in many ways. It led, I believe, to many family problems that he had. He wasn't a good father. It stained his kingdom in many ways. And David desired that reproach would be taken from him. Well, you and I ought to desire that that reproach of sin would be taken from us as well. And how is that reproach taken away? There's only one way, dear friends, and that is to repent of our sin and to flee to the cross of Jesus Christ. For it's in that cross and in the cross alone that the real reproach of sin can ever be taken away. For there on the cross it is our sin that is laid upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. It is Christ suffering the covenant's curse in our place. The Son of God, the sinless Son of God, dying in my place. And His shame then, the shame of the cross, becomes the glory of the Christian. And dear friends, when you and I by faith can look full in the face of Jesus Christ, at the cross of Jesus Christ, we realize that it's there that our boast becomes. It's it's in the cross that, that our reproach is lifted and Uh, there we see the Lord Jesus in all of His glory, the one uh, by whom I've been crucified to the world and the world uh, to me. So I simply ask you, are you one who desires this reproach would be turned away? Uh, Then look to the Lord uh, in true repentance. So he desires that that reproach would be taken away. Seventhly and finally then, how is the Lord to be His teacher? The Lord's to be his teacher by giving him life or renewal. Behold, he says, I long for your precepts. And then here's the petition. In your righteousness, give me life. This is the expression of a renewed heart. A true believer who says, Lord, I long for your precepts. I do love your law. But where is life, real life to be found? It is given not by my own works, but it's given by you in your righteousness. And isn't that the truth of the gospel? That in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's this righteousness that is given to us. And in in this righteousness, the Lord gives life to those who don't deserve it. And it's not just physical life, not just biological life that He gives, but spiritual life. The life of a reconciled relationship with God. Life abundant. Life worth living. It's the gift of God to sinful man. And that ultimately is is the longing of of, uh, of the psalmist here, Lord, in your righteousness, give me life. Is that your desire day by day? Lord, I desire today even to live in this new life that you give to those who trust in you. Is that your longing? You know, what are you doing with your life? Well, I hope that you're living it for God. It is the only kind of life worth living. So I hope you see today, dear friends, that what we need is the Lord to be our teacher. Moment by moment. To live not just on yesterday's grace, but to seek Him for grace today. Grace that we need. 
grace of understanding, the grace of walking along the proper path, the grace of proper affections, the heart inclined to the Lord's commandments, the grace of proper desires, eyes that are turned away from vanity but set upon Him, the grace of the Lord's promises confirmed to us, the grace, dear friends, of a reproach that is turned away, the grace of new life that is given. Do you come to the Lord like the psalmist? And is this your desire? Is this your longing day by day? Oh, children, what a wonderful thing it is to have the Lord as your teacher. Do you pray that the Lord would give you this kind of grace uh, every day? And you know, when you come to the Lord and pray with earnestness, as the psalmist does, we have a God who delights to give these gifts. That's the point of the message which Jesus spoke, Luke chapter 11. And there he tells us how even an earthly father is one who uh, delights to give good gifts to his children. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? When you come to the Lord and you ask Him, the way that the psalmist asked Him, when you ask Him with earnestness in your heart, when you ask Him for the kind of grace that we've spoken of today, we read that our Lord delights to give the Holy Spirit who is the one in whom all of these graces of God come to fruition in our life. He delights to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. And we ask Him as well. Let's pray together. Lord our God in heaven, we thank You for this portion of Your Holy Word. Lord, we love Your law. We come to You, O Lord, asking afresh for grace today to understand, to obey, to love, to desire your law, to live by its promises, to have our reproach taken away, to seek life that is in you alone. Lord, do these things, we pray, and give us a heart that is quick to ask daily, to ask you for these things which our soul so desperately needs. Lord, instruct us and bless us, we pray, even as we think upon these things, and help us to follow the model of the psalmist out of Psalm 119. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, Amen.